What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Madison Assembly Podcast. I'm David. I'm Cody. And I'm Jason. Hello. Welcome back. We're excited to have you guys. Thank you so much for the positive feedback we've been getting to our first few episodes. Have y'all been enjoying doing this? Yeah, it's been fun. It's been really fun. We yeah. learned a lot about you two. It's been good. Yeah, we've learned a lot about you, and I've learned a lot about you. Y'all probably already knew everything about me, though, right? Well, I don't say <laughs> there's still a lot to learn about you. Yeah, we're gonna keep diving in. <laughs> we're gonna keep diving into relationships as we do with each other, with everything else. Before we get to today's topic, uh, based on uh, one of the previous episodes, I actually took my family to the Lighthouse Restaurant down on the ah. river the other day. Have y'all done any of the recommendations from each other's lists since we've did it? It's been a crazy several days in between then, but uh, I look for. I made a list of things I'm gonna check off and. Yeah, get done. I definitely want to. Pastor, how about you? I don't know as many restaurants uh, that we listed and named. I mean, I'm getting fat, so I don't know <laughs> if I can add any more restaurants to my schedule. No, yeah. it's been good. So did you enjoy the lighthouse? We did. We did. Yeah, we took uh, my family and uh, my wife's parents down there uh, the other day. And yeah, it, it's such a cool atmosphere. I definitely would love to go down there in the evening time. Oh, when it's a little bit cooler. When it's a little bit cooler, yeah. But Did we, you feel the boat rock? We, we ate dinner on the on the cement part of it. Okay. On the part right next to the restaurant, yeah. So we didn't get any motion. But, there you go. But the kids loved it. They let us feed the ducks and feed the geese huh. with the bread there. So that was that was fun. What y'all, what's been going on in y'all's lives lately, this lately? Uh, well, this past Saturday, we had the car wash. Right. Um, took the family out to a baseball game, Eliana's first baseball game. Woo! And, um, from what I understand, she really enjoyed it. So... it's been really busy for us too and our family lots of things going on and working on vehicles and y'all know just life life and life is gone it's going (laughs) yeah it's going but thankfully god's still good right that's right absolutely we're i'm excited like i said we got a whole lot more stuff coming up in the future a lot more topics to cover but today uh those of you that don't know, we've just started a uh, teaching series on Sundays um, uh, within the last couple of weeks. And so I really wanted to dive deep into that, not only to kind of recap where we've been, but also where we're going to be going in this series. So real quick, I want you guys to completely clear your mind of everything. So right now, think of your favorite animal. <laughs> okay, now think of your favorite ice cream flavor. All right, now think of your, all right, now think of your favorite pizza. Oh, man. All right, now think of your favorite color. Okay. Revival. Revival. What immediately do you think of? Televangelists. Televangelists? Yeah. I mean, just like the first picture that comes to mind, yep. Wow. Televangelists. I was just going to say excitement Mm -hmm. every single night of the week. Right. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I I immediately think large gathering of people, music playing, a lot of people praying. Spitting pastors. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all remember the hack? Ha! 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 <laughs> yeah, all of that. So we're going to be those of you that don't know. If you've been watching our channel, uh, you've been seeing that on Sundays we've been doing a series on revival, and uh, God's really moved us into it pretty quickly. We were in the middle of our summer story series, and God was doing some great things in that. And then God said we need to go into this. So, uh, but Pastor, kind of don't give us too much insight because I know you're going to be expounding a lot of it on our Sunday services. But kind of what 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 do you feel like God was speaking to you to, to cause you to go into the series? Well. We've been here five years, as you guys know, and uh, I just feel like in my heart something switched that we need to start feeling the power of God. I hear a lot of people talking about revival, how we want to see revival happening, 
But I think there's things we have to do for the revival to come. You have to lay the foundation down. And so what my heart is, is all about spiritual formation. What are we in our personal lives every day? Because revival just don't happen overnight. It It's a process that God puts us through. Really, we're going to talk about it more in just a few minutes, but it's a humbling ourselves. It's getting out of the way. And so spiritual formation, and on Sunday, we laid out 12 facets of what those formations are. And we're just those facets, and we're going through each one. But it's amazing that this great God that we serve wants to have a relationship with us. And so basically where we're going is, as our spiritual formation and our walk with Christ gets closer to Him, greater things come out of us that will bring change and life change in other people's lives. I say those for them don't know, uh, Cody, give us a little bit about your, your church background before you came into the Assumers of God and how you kind of re- relate that to when you think of revival and what does that mean? Yeah, so I, I grew up Catholic. Uh, many many of you know that by now. That's part of my yeah, testimony. Um, we we didn't pray before the podcast, so we got to oh, say 10 Hail Marys now. There it is. Oh, first Thessalonians 5, 17, always pray. <laughs> so right. we're always in attitude of prayer. But uh, yeah, so all joking aside, grew up Catholic. Um, uh, most of my family, my mom's side is is devout Catholic, and so I had a unique understanding, um, I'll put it that way, of just kind of what it means to follow God. Uh, and then I, uh, very end of my junior year, senior year, I, I got saved um, due to just some major curveballs that life was mm. was throwing my way. And, and thankfully, yeah. I took that route. You know, a lot of people, when they make it just a radical change as a response, a lot of them, you know, go in it to drugs or just toxic relationships. And, you know, thankfully I, I chose to, uh, thankfully I was influenced, I should say, to take the route um, to the Lord. And so it was it was eye-opening, of course, going from one extreme, I guess you could say, to the other. Mm. Um, but just to encounter the tangible presence of God, to, to witness the life-changing power of and not just in someone around me, not just in someone I cared about, but like in my own life, um, you know, and, and many of us can relate to this, but it's like you look back and it, it feels like a different lifetime. It, it looks like a, a different version of yourself in wow. some yeah. multiverse, right? Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, the, we're, we're big Marvel fans <laughs> yeah, that's the, and DC the fans. Big uh, word right now, but... Yeah, so my experience was just, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. It was just, it was life-changing. It really was. So, Cody, do you remember when you were growing up, did the Catholic Church have like week-long services like you know some denominations have? Do you remember anything like that? Or was it more no. works-based of, you got to say these prayers and do whatever, memorize these things? The uh, My understanding fell more along those lines. Um I have since learned that I, I guess there are some charismatic Catholics out there that they'll meet and pray together, and yeah. that, that's interesting to learn about. But, um, um, yeah, it was—I mean, th- there was no tent revivals, tent meetings, camp meetings, nothing like that, again, that I knew of. Right. Uh, there were, like, 24-hour—they they called it Eucharistic adoration. Okay. Where, you know, we, we understand how they, uh, how they view the Eucharist, the body of Christ, the, right. the bread and communion— and literally 24-7, every hour of every week, there is someone, if it's one in the morning, four in the morning, there's someone that shows up at the church and they pray. Wow. And so, you know, um, theologically, doctrinally, you know, that 
there's some differences here and there, but it, it, it's interesting to bring that to my church experience now of just the mm-hmm. dedication and the devotion. And yeah. like you said, pray without ceasing. Every hour of every day, if you're sleeping or not, just you just pray that God's working in your life one way or the so other. So prayer, yeah. It's a big, important thing. Yeah. Yeah, for me, growing up, um, I grew up in a non-denominational church, but we might as well have been Assemblies of God because we, we had role rangers, we had missionettes, we had baptism in the Holy Spirit. We had the evidence of speaking in tongues. We had uh, manifestations of healings and and demons being cast out of people. So we were very much a a Bible-believing Pentecostal church, even though we didn't have a label on our church. We were just non-denominational. But I can honestly remember so many times we would have extended weeks of camp meetings or um, uh, we would call it once a year. My grandfather, who was the pastor, had uh, what we call the church convention, where all these pastors from all over the country would come for a week of refreshing and and just to have somebody else speak into them and have another uh, worship team they're not used to hearing lead them in worship and or take them into a place of of prayer. And it was really cool to see not just you know. Uh, Pentecostal denominations, but we had Baptist pastors coming to it. We had other denominations coming to it. And there was a lot of people that, you know, have never been in a service like that before. And then to see their reaction, some, you know, would leave and say, this isn't for me. Others would, would awaken and realize, Hey, I've been, I've been missing out on something in my whole Christian life. And so it was really powerful to experience those things, even as a child, knowing there's something bigger than me. And there's something so real that, is not this is not emotionalism there's no way this can be made up this has to be a real god who is really interacting with us right now and and so i i always knew that that stuff was real but the thing that always kind of stuck with me through the different revivals quote unquote and camp meetings and things like that that i've been through is how much of this is we're trying to recreate a memory and how much of this is truly what God's trying to do right now? Right. And I think that's where I think that's one of the reasons why I felt like all three of us were really excited to do this is because we really want to put on the table the title of today's uh, to- topic is "What is Revival?" And let, let's as a as a pastoral staff lay out there what we believe it is, and and if we disagree, we can sharpen each other. But I really just want to get to the heart of where, especially with pastor in the middle of this series, supporting you as as a worship leader, supporting you as the youth pastor. The church being in one heart and one spirit, if we say we're seeking and contending for revival in our church, what does that mean? Yeah. And, how, and how can we do that? So real quick, Webster's Dictionary says revival is an improvement in the condition or strength of something. It's an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. So like you can think of a like a band's having a revival. They were popular 20 years ago, and all of a sudden they're Come popular back. again. They're, they're having a revival. Metallica is yeah. going through that right yeah, now. Yeah. Stranger Things. Yep, Kiss has done it 20 times. Um, <laughs> a new production of an old play or similar work. So this play hasn't been done in 30 years. This is a revival of the play, bringing it back like Les Mis being revived or Cats being revived or something like that. A reawakening of religious fervor, especially by means of a series of evangelistic meetings. So I think that's kind of what we've all talked about. A restoration to bodily or mental vigor to life or consciousness or to sporting success. So basically someone who is less than living being revived. Coming back. Coming back yeah. from the dead or coming back from being unconscious. They're being revived. Um, I, and then there's two definitions from a really famous evangelist. One is from uh, Pastor Robert Coleman. He said he calls revival the awakening or quickening of God's people to their true nature and their purpose. So the church realizing who she is and who she's supposed to be. And then my favorite I found was uh, Dr. Charles Finney. 
He said the return of the church from her backslidings and the conversion of other sinners. Wow. So, and, and there's, I read a whole article on that where basically Charles Finney says revival is for the church and how the, and how the world should benefit from the church being in a state of revival. So wow. it was really, really powerful. So in immediate reactions, what do y'all think when you hear those things? Well, before we jump more into that, let me tell you about my background. So my dad was in the Baptist church. My family was saved in the Baptist church. And as my dad was called into ministry, my dad traveled the country preaching revivals. So my brothers and I, we were born and raised in the revival feeling. So, you know, you'd go from one church to the other, to this church a week long. Some would go two, three weeks. Right. So growing up, I saw a lot of things, you know, a lot of pastors have my father come in to preach, to bring back a renewal, uh, to bring back some excitement of what is lost. Uh, people get saved, that kind of thing. And then finally, when me and my brother came of age, when we started becoming teenagers, my dad felt like it was important to get just have a church where we are stable and we are settled instead of traveling the country. And so my dad planted a church and, uh, we, we, we received the term Baptocostal. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. had the Baptist traditions, but we had the Pentecostal movements. I remember, man, they would do Jericho marches around the church. I remember, man, we've had some extreme services where people would get so excited for God. One, one you know, you'd have people just do crazy things sometimes, you know, but yeah. there were, the power of God was in that. So going back to your conversation here, I think the first thing that hits me, it's a rebirth. It's getting back to who we are. It's getting having that life put back in us, into us, because we know life can beat us down sometimes. Lots of things. I, so I think I agree with that. I wrote here, here on my paper, it's the, exter- it's the external human quest to know and experience God. And then I wrote down some definitions that I found as well. But in the middle of that, an evangelical revival is an extraordinary work of God in which Christians repent of their sins, kind of what you said, and then they become intensely aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst, and then they manifest a positive response to God in renewed obedience to be to know the will of God, and in all of this results, people giving their hearts to Christ. Right. So it goes right along with what you said there. I say, Cody, when you hear all these definitions, what do you think? Yeah. So a, a couple of weeks ago, you had shared the um, just your experience of you know as we are a Pentecostal church, and, and there's this desire for expression. You know we we probably all three know people that have no problem, had no problem, you know, back in the day or whatever, expressing on Sunday, but then Monday they're acting a fool again. <laughs> right. And so what, in, in a revival, it has to be greater than just the surface level, right? It has right. to be greater than just how they appear in public in the church setting. You know, that should be just as much, if not more so the case at home with their family and devotion time and, and what they're allowing on TV and what they're listening to. And not that we're legalistic, but right. it's beyond expression. I, I love how you said it. it is transformation. Being transformed. Yeah, And then yeah. it's through that that you get the expression. It's through that that you get the, the charismatic qualities of right. revival. But but, I, because it's real. Yes, it, it's absolutely real. But I think people, you know, they just they associate immediately with what they see on the surface. Oh, they're shouting for joy and they're doing back handsprings at the <laughs> pulpit. Well, that is, that's, if it's genuine, that, that is result of, and we'll right. get into it, that is result of personal inner revival well right. before it's expressed outwardly. Right. 
So well, and that goes to the whole goal of where we're going, laying this foundation right. so that revival can come. Not that we manufacture it, which like you said, growing up in the church, going to all those revivals, I would see people, man, give some amazing words about the Lord. And then you find out Monday through Saturday talking about people, backbiting. And I think it's kind of put a little bit of a little something inside me that I want the real thing, not a manufactured Oh, 100%. Thing. So, yeah, 100%. I, I equate it to, you know, in the same thing of when you when you get the real authentic versus a counterfeit. You yeah. know, it's funny. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of trying different variations of a name brand. Like, <laughs> like if you've ever, like, a perfect example, Cody knows where I'm going with this. My wife and I, she has a YouTube channel that we get that I get to be on every now and then with her when she lets me. But um, <laughs> we did a taste test of Doritos. Doritos. And we did uh, all the different flavors of Doritos. But then one thing we did was we took the authentic Dorito, and then we found, I think it was eight or nine brand uh, off-brand of those of Doritos. So like HEBs and Kroger's and Walmarts and... And Dollar General, Dollar Tree, all the places that had nacho cheese tortilla chips. <laughs> and we put them all in separate bowls and blindly did not know which one was the real Dorito. And we went through and tasted each one, and we gave them a score of 1 to 10 where we would rate them. And the one we rated the highest was the real Dorito. Because, wow. And the reason I say that is because, I, and I, I said this in a previous uh, podcast I did with her, Doritos have such a distinct, authentic flavor yeah. that it's hard to it's hard to mac it's hard to exactly replicate it. And so, when you have a chip that's a not that's not a Dorito, if someone handed you handed it to you and said this is a Dorito, even though it tastes similar, it's not the real thing. Wow. And so, when, whenever I ask God for a true renewal and revival in my own heart, I always try to make sure I'm like God. I don't want to replicate a counterfeit feeling that I've had. I don't want to replicate what somebody else calls revival. I don't want to replicate, you know, something you did in my life ten years ago. What you did in my life ten years ago was for that moment. Yeah. What What happened then may not be what needs to happen in my life for where I'm at right now with you. So I want the authentic God. What do you have for me today? So if Doritos have that realness to it, and you can't take those ingredients away, what would be some of the ingredients of a revival and your guys' thoughts that you have seen in every revival maybe you've experienced, you've seen? What are, been, what are some of those key ingredients that you guys have seen? And definitely, but I want you to hang on to did that. I, because, did I jump ahead? Now, I want you to hang on to that because that's where we're going. That's going to be the big thing I want to build to. But before we get where we are, let's go back to where we've been. Do you guys know the biggest revival that's ever happened in human history? Wow. Well, I'm thinking... The biggest revival? Would it be the Great Awakening? Nope. No? The first one that comes to mind is Azusa Street. Azusa Street. But I want to say Brownsville. Nope. 1904, the Welsh Revival. Nope. Oh, man. The biggest revival to ever happen in human history was Jonah's conversion of Nineveh. Oh, okay. So we're going back, way back into the Bible. The biggest <laughs> revival in ever history. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people, an entire nation radically saved by, wow. a, by a prophet's message. Let me tell you guys a couple of things about it. This is a, I'm going to give uh, credit to Eric Davis, the pastor of Cornerstone in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I don't agree with a lot of the things he says, but the, the things he named out there about this revival really hit me. Number one, the conversions numbered in the hundreds of thousands, wow. not just thousands, at, from this one meeting. Number two, except for conversion, there were no signs and wonders. Hmm. The preaching was not great. The preacher was nobody special. Wow. The preacher was a backslidden prophet who ran from it. Wow. Number f- next one. 
The content of the preaching was wrath and judgment. No ears being tickled there. Turn or burn. <laughs> yep. Number six, the event did not feature a building, style of music, or impressive stage show. Wow. Next one, the event was not scheduled. <laughs> Number eight, there was no revival prayer meeting before it. Interesting. And number nine, evidence of revival was brokenness over their sin. Wow. That was the greatest revival in human history. But now let me tell you the 10 greatest revivals that have shaped our current world. You guys have named a couple of them. Number one, 1904, the Welsh revival, which later transcended to Azusa Street, 1906. The first great awakening in our country, mm-hmm. which was 1927 to 19, to, I mean, excuse me, 1727 to 1750, John Wesley, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards were the mm-hmm. key men we know from that. The second great awakening, 1780 to 1810. The general awakening out of that, 1830 to 1840, Charles Finney in Hawaii mm-hmm. and Jamaica, the West Indies revival came you, out of that. Do you all know, is it okay to come Yes, in? please. Do you all know Charles Finney is the one that created the altar? Yes. There was no altar. Yes. And during this revival, so many people were coming to Christ that he felt like it was chaos because he wanted to make sure everybody was following Correct. the line of, how do you get saved? Saying the prayer. That's when the prayer of salvation right. was really birthed in the place too. Right. And that's why in a lot of churches you have an altar because of Charles Finney's revival during that time period. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Charles Finney, who's one of my favorite evangelists to read from, Charles Finney was a lawyer. And Charles Finney stated his case to the people listening and then said, as now the jury I'm speaking to, what's your verdict on this? Well, that makes sense. And their response was <laughs> the altar call. <laughs> and so that makes so, sense of the order. Yeah, and yes. oh, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He, Charles Finney, just a so smart guy. We had the Layman's Revival in 57 to 61 of 1800s, which is where D.L. Moody became a prominent figure. We have the World War II Revival from 35 to 1950, which is where Billy Graham got started, hmm. Duncan Campbell, and the New Zealand Revival took place out of that. Wow. Then we have the Baby Boomer Revival, also called the Jesus Movement. Jesus Movement. Which is... Uh, uh, from the 65 to 70. Was that out of California? Yes. Okay. Yes, predominantly. They're also known as the Prayer Revival. Prayer Revival. Then you go even back further, you have 1517, the Protestant Reformation, with Martin Luther, the 95 Theses, opening up the doors for everybody to know the Word of God. Before that, you had the Pre-Reformation with John Wycliffe translating the Bible into English for the first time. Wow. And everybody being able to read the Bible for themselves. And then, of course, the ultimate revival that we all spawn all of this from is the day of Pentecost in AD 30. Yeah. So all these revivals have been called the 10 most influential revivals that have brought us to today. But I still I think about all these different revivals and all these different readings. And all of you, you can go look these up on the Internet, and you can read stories and testimonies from, from how they got started. But, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big question that we can throw back out there is when it comes to these things, you know, kind of what are the, what are the things that are similar? What are the things mm-hmm. that are different? So, I mean, Pastor, why don't you start us off? What okay. are some things you saw? Well, I think the first thing from what I've experienced and then going back and reading about these 10 great revivals was it all started in prayer. Everybody was praying, seeking God, and not so much the prayer, you know, when we go to the Jonah list, you know, people, they were just simply seeking God. God, we need some freshness. We need your presence. We just want you. You know, going back to the external human quest to know and experience God, it seemed like every revival, they wanted to know him. Yes. And that, to me, that's one of the first ingredients that I see when it comes to real revival, prayer. Let's say, Cody? Yeah, so I've been on a James River Church kick lately. I, John Lindell's been awesome. Great man, uh, great church. Yeah. Uh, and some, some really neat 
quotes, and again, this sort of contradicts the Jonah one, but I, I have a, a thesis on why that might be. <laughs> Strap in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but, a thesis. Uh, John Lindell says, you know, no awakening has ever happened without God's people praying. Mm. And I, I, I guess you could narrow that down to A.D. Right. Any, any you know, post-cross, post, you know, a- access to salvation, Christ's power and all those things, the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, mm. you know, when we pray— the earth moved, like the earth will shift. Uh-huh. You know, mountains moved, the, the, uh, faith the size of a mustard seed, right? You know, I, I, Jonah was probably a different story. You know, it was, he was really all, you know, that was able to uh, be used uh, in that time. But John Lindell, fasting is the difference. So this is sort of fasting and praying, right? The one-two punch. Mm-hmm. Fasting is the difference between the best we can do and the best God can do. Wow, wow. I mean, we so so often we try to kind of suit up ourselves and just go to fight, you know. Oh, I love my church. I love my people. I'm just going to fight, fight, fight. I'm going to handle these conflicts. When really, it's God saying, "Just slow down. <laughs> Let me handle it, and just you know, follow my my lead." And um, you know, th- that was pretty convicting to me because if I'm being totally transparent, I probably don't fast and pray enough together. Wow. Yeah. wow. And and you know, and I I look at you know, maybe some situations that are going on in my life. And I'm thinking, you know, Lord, is this mountain not moving because I'm not, (laughs) I'm not fully dedicated, you know? Um, Another really cool one is fasting brings heaven's answer and hell's defeat. Wow. So that answer you're waiting for, that mountain to move, (laughs) if you're, some of it requires fasting. Some of it requires saying, Lord, I'm willing to sort of set aside my earthly comforts Wow. To grow that spiritual need. Anyway, I, I could go on and on and on, but... um, It's good. Yeah. Just, we got to pray. Well, I mean, in reference to that, if you look throughout the scripture, the fire of the fire never fell on the altar until the sacrifice was already prepared. Mm. So, in other words, God is not going to do his part until he's re- until we show him we're ready for to do ours. And it's not saying, and, and one, of the, one of the words that we throw around a lot, but a lot of people don't understand is the word sovereign. God, we know God is a sovereign God, which means God does not require anything outside of himself to be God. He's sovereign as is. But at the same time, we say the term God is a gentleman. I don't even think it's gentleman. God doesn't want to violate will. Yeah, God, God, God wants, God is looking upon us to go, I'm willing, like, like the scripture, Lord, if you're willing, heal me. Jesus said, I am willing. I believe he's always willing. God, God's perfect. God, Jesus told us to pray, let your will be done and your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. So if you think about that, in heaven, what does that mean? In heaven, God rules. In heaven, Jesus is king. In heaven, there is no pain. In heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, there is no death. In heaven, so basically, when we're asking for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying, God, I want my life to be dictated on earth as it would be if I'm already in heaven. Wow. And so if we're, if we're asking for that, then God, what is in my life that's keeping me from being a beacon of heaven to this earth? Well, I've always heard prayer as giving God permission to enter into exactly. your story. Now, he don't need our permission, no. but I think, like you said, I think he's waiting on us to invite him in right. to this situation. So that's well, good. And your message on Sunday, you know, Jesus said, you're following me because I fed your bellies right, right. yesterday. And, you know, when we have to initiate it, it's not God throwing us an obstacle obstacle course to you know complete. It's just saying, look, are you going to serve me because I'm me, because I'm God, 
Or are you going to serve me because I've blessed you in the past week? You know what well, I mean? He even looked at his disciples and said, guys, are you going to leave me too? And all these people began to leave. But I don't know if they really knew what they were getting themselves into. Right. Because they did by the end of that message. <laughs> <laughs> because we know that most of them, all of them except one, were, was killed for their faith. Right. And I think that's where my heart stirs because we got to be careful in this day and time that revival is not just for me to feel better. Absolutely. Revival is really for us to do the work of the Lord. Because to me, that's the second ingredient. From prayer, then comes the gospel. Right. People get saved, where our lives are transformed. It becomes about his agenda, not my agenda. Right. It's about making him famous in all areas of our life. 100%. Yeah, I think that can go into kind of what I want to use as the segue between this part and the end, and that is, and as a as a pastoral staff, before we lay out on the table, this is what we believe revival is. Let's talk for a minute about what we know it's not. Mm. I, and I think I think sometimes that's one of the best things to know. Okay, I know this. I know this may not be Coke, but this sure ain't Pepsi. You know, what I'm saying there's. I think I think sometimes it's it's good to talk about it from the reversed aspect. So real quick, right off the top of your head, uh, Pastor, let me start with you. What do you know for a fact? Revival is not. Revival is not making my name known. Revival is not. We want to grow our church, but revival is not about making my church bigger and better. Revival is about Him right. <laughs> and Him doing what he, what Jesus wants to do in our midst. So that'd be one thing I would say. Just to tag off of that, I remember Mike Bickle uh, said something at an IHOP meeting, International House of Prayer, not pancakes, <laughs> um, but uh, in, in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. I got to go to a um, a, um, a one thing conference out there at, where they went to the New Year praying, and it was a powerful meeting. I'll never forget it. But um, he said something that I'll never forget. He said every Christian needs to live in such a way that you don't care if anybody ever knows your name. Mm. And that that is so hard. It is hard. Especially and it's got this that was in like 2001 when he said that. Now we've come 21 years later. Literally, we have a term called selfie. And everything we do is designed to take a better picture of me and mm-hmm. get my name on a podcast and get myself. And I know we're doing sitting here doing a podcast right now. But when the three of us started talking about doing this podcast, it was never because we want our three names to get bigger on YouTube. That was never the idea. It was always, we know that the conversations we have and the things God's sharing with us and things we're sharing with each other, we hope it benefits more than just our, our room. And if, if we can give people a window into that, that it may be a blessing or an encouragement or even cause someone right. to go, man, I want what they have. I want to know Christ because of, that's my whole thing is I hope every podcast episode we do draws someone a little bit closer to Jesus. And right. I believe that's why we do this is to put his name well, up. And, all, and also a revival will never contradict God's word. It 100%. Will, it will never be... God, you know, I, I, we have these prayers sometimes. Lord, give us a fresh word. Our, our, our God, take us to new levels. And we want those things. But anything when it comes to the Holy Spirit, anything that when it comes to revival, it never contradicts what the word says. Do you all agree with that? Oh, 100%. Yeah, Let's say, Cody, what do you think? What, what's something revival is not? I think Pastor hit, hit most of what I was going <laughs> to share. But yeah, I'm reading your notes. <laughs> You know, what's the scripture say? If my people would humble themselves. Yeah. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Yes. We, we want revival in America. We want our land to be healed. But how many of the revivals breaking out, how many of these crusades that are occurring, you, you know, to be honest, I, I, and this is a podcast, we're a little bit more transparent here. You know, I'm concerned that the church is viewed as a marketplace or a consumer base, a potential customer base sometimes for wow. stuff in or outside of the church. Mm. You know, I, 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 
I'm growing more and more concerned that it's a a social network that people are using to benefit themselves. Wow. Versus are they growing in their walk with Christ? Are they growing in community and fellowship with other people? And I hope I'm wrong about that. But it's just one of those things that has sort of been in my spirit, just, you know, praying about it and just being being aware of it. Yeah. Um, but we, we've got to humble ourselves and we've got to make it less about us and less of promoting ourselves and just saying, God, do your thing. Like we're, mm-hmm. you know, and it's better, it's better to do it before we hit rock bottom. Yeah. You know, it's better to ask God genuinely, Lord, just, just work in our, in our world before, you know, I, I hate to bring it up, but nine 11. And I know how th- there's studies and, and ideas on why people left the church again after nine 11, but why, why do we wait till a nine 11 or a COVID-19 oh, wow. before, we, I mean, there, there's people in my extended family that, you know, became very interested in church right. and has since kind of drawn back again because, oh, COVID-19, you know, it's a big deal, but it's, it's not the end of the world. Like we were wondering at some point, why do we wait for the tragedies right. before revival can potentially take place? Well, when you go back to this list of revivals that were mentioned, you have all these guys that came up through this revival because they were trying to bring people's focus back to God. Right. Like, for example, you can only read this Bible in Latin. No, let's put it in every man's <laughs> only language. Only a priest can read it. Only a monk can read only. it. Yeah. Or going back to what you said, sometimes we think revival is we have these certain big-name people that come to our church, and only this person can lay hands on me and pray over me when really, if we go before God— Yes, I love the well-known speakers. I'm, we need that. We, they need to come and do their ministry. But sometimes we put so much focus on that. Then you go back to these revivals and you say, Jonah. Jonah came in. He was like, God's going to destroy this city. And of course, we know his heart. He wanted that city to be destroyed. Yeah, you he know? sat up on a hillside waiting for it to happen. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking <laughs> yeah. as you were sharing that, what pastor or revivalist would sit out there moping and crying because God didn't do, didn't, didn't take yeah. out the people. God, where's the fireworks? <laughs> and it was the greatest revival ever, right? But I, I think even today we get so caught up that it has to be Brownsville. It has to look like this. That We have to have this certain standard for us to have the revival. So it goes to what you're saying. I'm just trying to no, yeah, absolutely. put a little footnotes down there. Yeah, and I was going to say revival is not determined by external stimuli. No, I've that is if if God has put a righteous indignation in me, Jessica and I talk about this often. (laughs) I get spiritually and then emotionally angry when I hear people talk about we have to have these external things to happen in order for a revival to take place, right? Because that's not biblical. It's like you said, Jonah had none of it. Jonah had none of it exactly. None of it. Had none of it or none of it. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Thank you for the comic relief. That's fine. That's good. I'm going to keep that. We were getting a little little deep there, so it brought us back to surface. But prayer, the gospel, and then I just wrote here obedience. Yeah. And and obedience happens when all of a sudden, I don't know if you guys have seen this in revivals, but when they're really real, you start start to see reconciliation take place with people that's been hurt, marriages put back together. And I think the biggest thing is the obedience that comes out of what God tells us during a revival. You know, what is the focus of that revival? Are we following through with what the Word is teaching us? Right. So. 100%. This is, and again, if you have any additional notes, this is something that I was just reading, and I love reading Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon. He's such a, 
if you've never read anything from Charles Spurgeon, some of his some of his work is just so profound and so good. Um, but he wrote this. He said, "While a true revival is, in essence, belongs to only God's people, it always brings with it a blessing for other sheep who are not yet in the fold. Mm. If you drop a stone into the lake, the ring widens continually until the farthest corner of the lake fills the influence." Let the Lord revive a believer, and very soon his family, then his friends, then his neighbors. Then let them receive a share of the benefit, for when a Christian is revived, he prays more fervently for sinners, mm. longing, he loving prays for sinners, and one of the marks of revival is the renewed heart. When Christians are revived, they live more consistently. That word hit me. Consistently. They live more consistently. They make their homes more holy and more happy. And this leads the ungodly to envy them and inquire, what is this secret? Sinners, by God's grace, long to be such cheerful, happy saints that their mouths water to feast with them upon this hidden manna and step into a congregation where all the saints are revived. They do not go to sleep under the sermon. The minister will not let them do that, for the hearer perceives that the preacher feels what they are preaching, and they have a right to be heard. This is clear gain, for now the man listens with deep emotion, and above all, the Holy Spirit's power, which the preacher has received in answer to prayer, comes upon the hearer's mind. They are then convinced of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come, and Christians who are on the watch around them hasten to tell them of the Savior and point them to the redeeming blood so that revival, strictly speaking, is with the people of God, yet the result of it, no man can limit. Wow. That, that is something that I say all the time is one of my favorite terms is, are you not just a continual Christian? Are you a contagious Christian? Contagious. I lo- I've always loved that term. Are you a Christian that when you live your life, people are constantly wanting what you have? Mm. Are, are you, is there is there an essence of you that people go? What is different about you? How come when you when when your car breaks down you don't cuss and kick it? How come when you when you when your someone in your family gets sick you don't panic and call every doctor on speed dial? How come when when you're when you short, when you fight with your wife y'all don't call each other names or y'all don't take it out on each other? Y'all find a way to reconcile as soon mm. as possible. How in the world do you go through the same things I go through yet you are different? It, what 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 is that? What what wow. do you have that I don't have in order for my life to look like your life? So that's why we always need to be praying for revival. Exactly. The, and like I said, the word consistency. So a Christian's life, it's life is a series of emotions. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. But the people that don't have a close walk with God, their ups and their downs are more dramatic. They don't have a rock to hold them. They're not. A, there's not a consistency. And I think that's what what I'm trying to say. At the beginning, you asked me. Why? What are we talking about on Sunday? What are we talking about when it, when it comes to revival? I think I might have butchered that at the beginning, but you hit on what I'm trying to get at. If revival is going to happen corporately, it's got to happen individually. Absolutely. And with those 12 facets in our life, it's our devotional life. It's the way we think. It's how we treat one another. It's lots of things that go into play, and we're going to really break those down in the coming weeks. But that's what I'm trying to get at, spiritual formation in our own lives, that when God does send the revival, we just become that conduit of power that works through because we've already been with Him over the however many long, however, however long you're praying, seeking God, you've already been with Him. And now as it comes out, we begin to see people get saved, life's changed. That's what I'm trying to say. Does right. that make sense to you 100%. guys? I think a lot of times we, we throw these... Um, exceptions or qualifications. Okay, Lord, I, I'll change if my spouse changes. Like if I see evidence of you working in her, then 
then I, I'll know I'm not wasting my time. If the place is dry, but the ground is wet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's these these tasks that have to ha- that you know have to be completed, and um, yeah, it's it's got to start with us first. I don't necessarily think it's bad sometimes to put fleece. I put a fleece out there, right? But I think in our generation and in our time, it's going back to the what the disciples are the people following Jesus when he said, "You're just following me because I'm feeding you." It's not because that. You want to be with me. You just want to see all these signs, right? You want to yeah. see. And then they said, well, Lord, show us the sign. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. they, that's, we're still doing that today. Lord, if you're really real, then you got to do this. When God sends a revival, it could be completely opposite, such as kids crying in the nursery and right. all of a sudden their parents are getting saved. I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there, but you never know what God's going to do. Yeah, I think that also one of the things that really hinders a move of God in today's culture is literally we have, especially in the Western culture, we have so much advance and access to everyday life that a lot of times people literally think to themselves without saying it out loud, why do I need a God? Right. And I think that's one of the things that comes back to this. And one of the things that I put on my five, uh, uh, seven signs of authentic revival is one of the things is definitely a recognizing a need for repentance. Hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things. What is it the Bible says that the key to repentance is godly sorrow. And I think that's one of the things that the church especially has lost the sight of is that that repentance is not, I've gone so far away from God, I have to make a 180 and come back. That's not what God, that, that is a form of repentance and we all need to, you know, come to that place if we need to, and, our, and people that are lost definitely need to find that place. But true repentance, and this is something that the God is really helping me with, even in the things that you know are daily struggles for me. And that is, do you not understand that choosing to do this thing, whether it's a sin or just a something that so easily makes you stumble? Because not, by the way, people, not everything that makes you stumble is necessarily sin. It's just something you need to get rid of. That's but, true. But those those things, do you not understand? that it's not so much that it's going to drag you to hell. It's that it puts a kink in my relationship with you. Mm. It's that it's something that, that causes you to be distracted and you don't hear me clearly. It's, it causes you to wane in your passion for my word, wane in your passion for my presence. That the more, it's the equivalent of what we tell our kids, hey, dinner's coming, don't fill up on junk food. Yeah. Because the more you fill up on what's not good for you, then the more you won't want what is good for you. And, and I, th- I feel like that's a lot of it is that that key is, okay, I, I'm not going to kill someone because I'm afraid to go to jail. I'm not going to do it because I understand the value of human life. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to choose to not gossip because I'm just afraid it's going to get back to the person that I'm gossiping about. No, I'm choosing I do because that's a child of God, and I'm not talking about God's children that way. Boy. It's, it's getting back to that place of I understand my, through my relationship with God, what this does to him, what this does to his heart, that literally Jesus died and shed his blood on that cross to give me a freedom from having to do these things. And that every time I do these things, it's like I'm negating he did that for me. Wow. And so I feel like if the church could get back to that place of literally everything that you call a little white lie or a little thing or an inconsequential thing, well, God, I'm not perfect, Pastor, but I've never killed anyone. Right. Yeah, may, you may not have killed anyone, but those little things that you're sweeping under the rug saying those aren't serious, that's still putting a kink in the hose of relationship with God. And what happens when you put a kink in your hose? You don't get the water. That's right. Well, that's why it's important that we are every day coming before the Lord, asking God to forgive us when we 
maybe have put our own thoughts in Search place of me, him. Oh God, test me, know my thoughts. Search yes. us. And so it's every day making that commitment in any area of our life. God, I want you to be Christ-centered in everything, not segregated, not compartmentalized. When I go on my job, you're Christ. When I'm in my marriage, you're Christ. Amen. How I treat my kids, you're Christ. So you're right on with what you're saying there. So, so Cody, you want to add anything to that? No, I mean it, it's a it's a you know pretty expansive. Well, topic. I will I will tell you if I have some time here. Please do. That. Um, I was telling you guys at lunch today, uh, and you said, "Wait, let's wait to the podcast." Well, in all these revivals that have ever been studied, they come down to find that there's nine faces of a revival, and so whenever revival, you go back to the ones that you listed. These nine things, one of these will come to preeminence in that revival. So the first one is a repentance revival. It emphasizes the moral cleansing and the in, of individual lives and society as a whole, and we know that. Some of these revivals, man, taverns closed, yes. uh, uh, adult bookstores closed, lots of things that happened when you read. Jails were empty. Jails were emptied. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing. Um, then the second type of revival is an evangelism revival, which souls are saved. We know in most revivals, people get their hearts to Christ. There's a worship revival, which centers on magnifying God. I think in a lot of ways, when you see all this, the worship music that's coming out in this day and time, I've always heard that in every culture, every time of a revival happens, God sends music to yes. that. Agreed. Maybe there's a re- worship revival coming coming along in this generation that we're seeing. I don't know. Uh, there's a deeper life revival. It emphasizes the experience of God's indwelling spirit. There's the spiritual warfare revival. It devotes its energies and battles Satan and the other demons. There's the Holy Spirit revival, characterized by extensive manifestations of the Spirit. There's a reconciliation revival that leads to the removal of barriers to racial and ethnic harmony. Uh, I'm not really sure what I feel about this word, but I understand it. The liberation or freedom revival, which focuses on corporate and personal bondage from sin. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the prayer revival, it displays considerable efforts at intercession and other forms of prayer. So you're saying every revival either has a a specific focus or multiple focuses. Well, one of these focuses always comes to the top of that. And so they've been able to classify it into these nine faces of a revival. I I guess what I'm learning out of this is we need to understand what God is saying in that time. Maybe it is a reconciliation. Maybe it is we need to worship God more. Maybe it is we need to repent of our sins, which we need to repent always. But I thought that was fascinating because then you go back and look at those revivals mentioned and you start seeing some yeah. of these things come to the top. Right. Which, you know, this is man's thing. Who knows? But I thought that was very interesting. Now, do you, do you think that is a a God-determined thing that just depending on the era that the world is in that this specific type of revival is needed? Great question. Or, or do you think it Good depends question. on the church body, you know, the local church and what their past is? And I do think it, I do think God being sovereign, I think when he does things, he does things on purpose. With purpose. With purpose. Yes. And so, yeah, I, I think I would have to say yes, because if we need to pray more, he's going to open up the door to pray more. If we need to fight the enemy, then we're all going to come together and battle the enemy. So that's a really good question. Wow. Let's say before we get to my final little list here, yeah. I, want, I want to ask you guys this question. Do you feel revival, and by revival, everything we've said so far being a move of God undeniable in the hearts of people, is revival something that comes out of nowhere and everybody catches it? Or is revival something that man recognizes is needed and they contend for it or they push to it? And then over time, God acknowledges it and begins to ha- let it happen. Oh, you want to try to answer that one? Can I say it could be both? Why not? Um, I think of Saul. 
turn into Paul. That's an immediate, he wasn't looking for it. Christ just showed up. This has to happen. Yes. I mean, Paul, you know, he really didn't have a choice with that type of encounter. How can you argue? How can you still live (laughs) that previous lifestyle? Um, I would think that might be the minority. I don't know for sure, but I feel like largely, you know, I think it's like farming. You know, as we're discussing the different ingredients, you got to prepare the ground. Does that mean you got to pray more? Does that mean you have to reconcile some past bitter relationships? What what needs to happen to the ground for it to be able to receive seeds? Because wow. if it's if it's you know overgrown ground and it has weeds and it you know there's no irrigation system prepared for it, what good is throwing seed if it's not, not much of take? a harvest? Right, exactly. And so, I think I would say largely, in my opinion, I think it requires some some preparation, some seeking, some initiation on our part as as people. Well, and most of the revivals mentioned too, you find out these people were simply praying for it. God send revival. We need this. And personally doing what they knew they had to do. And personally doing what they knew they had to do. Because the Bible tells us, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Second uh, uh, Chronicles 714, the one they humbled themselves. They prayed. So I think it's a I think it's both. I think it's a both seeking God, but I don't think we can tell God how we want it to happen. The way he yes. wants it to happen is going to happen and we just worship him for it. I'm getting out of the way. <laughs> and so like with with Paul's case, of course that's instantaneous. That's radical life change, but again, in my opinion, largely being it requires some preparation. We have to understand that we might be praying hardcore for a month and it Still may not happen. Years. It might take years. I mean, it, yeah. Well, check this out, Cody. Even the Bible tells us, husbands, if you have an odd against your wife and you start to pray, your prayers may not be answered. Right. So that's why I feel like there's a time where we seek the Lord. God, cleanse me. Forgive me of my sins. If there's anything there, seek, search it out. Show it to me so I can get this fixed. Right. So. Yeah, 100%. I could not agree more. I, I, I firmly believe it's... Because even when Paul was radically converted on the road to Damascus, there was still a, a length of time, the Bible says, he had to be alone with the Holy Spirit before finally Barnabas brought him before the church. Because if I bring you in cold turkey, you're not going to understand what we're talking about. You're not going to understand this this gospel. And so he had to have time alone with the Holy Spirit to to reconcile his past or to truly be forgiven of what he had done and understand his mission and his calling. And then finally, when he came before the church, he was ready to receive what they had to give him. That's a great and if point. you remember, a lot of them didn't want him I in was that say, Even then, it was still sort of a process. <laughs> exactly. So, but, so I hear you on that. I firmly believe with all my heart, and we'll get to the list here in a second, I firmly believe with all my heart, revival is... Is a is it starts with a spark inside of one person. Hmm. I've all, I've always believed it could be a person, two people agreeing at the same time, all of a sudden having a revelation of what needs to be done. But I've always believed that revival it starts in the heart of a person who recognizes in order for things around me to change, I have to change. In order for my wife to change, I need to change. In order for my children to change, I need to change. In order for my house to be a house of prayer, I need to make it a house of prayer. That there has to be personal sacrifice and personal willingness that what what I used to be, I cannot be anymore. 
and and what I used to let slide, I cannot let slide anymore. And what I used to entertain, I cannot entertain anymore. Right. And it, wow. it's not and it's not necessarily always bad things. Sometimes it's just things again that just you know what the more I the more I'm doing this, the more I'm not doing things God wants me to do, or I'm not spending time in prayer, I'm not spending time in the Word. And we're not saying you have to go join a monastery, and we're not <laughs> saying you have to you know throw your life away and quit your job and just get in your prayer closet and stay there twenty four seven. That's not what we're saying. No, what we're saying is as Pastor said. When I go to work, Jesus, what do you? how do you want me to work today? When I go to work, God, Lord, open up opportunities for me to be a witness for you today. Give me divine appointments to speak. God, when I'm, when I'm late, when I'm tucking my children into bed, remind me to pray over them. Remind me to, to bless them. When, I, when, when me and my wife are about to, are having a, have a disconnect, help, help me to have the self-control to stop and breathe and say, wait a second, before we go any further, can we pray? Yeah, and really just, and basically, anytime the flesh would kick in and you would get in the flesh, no, I'm cutting that off right now. And I feel like, you know, I don't know if you guys have read the book. You've probably seen it. Uh, there was a monk a long time ago. His name was simply Brother Lawrence, who wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God, mm. to where every single day from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to sleep, he acted as if literally the physical body of Jesus was in the room. Mm. And he said, okay, knowing he knows my thoughts, I'm not going to think that. Oh. Or knowing he knows what I'm, or knowing that he can hear what I'm saying, I'm not going to say that. Or knowing that he he knows my innermost heart. When I when I do this for a brother, when I do a toilsome chore or whatever, I'm not going to get frustrated or whatever. And he said, over time, he learned the more he practiced the presence of God, the more he just naturally lived in the presence of God. Wow. To where it became such a second nature that he literally, from the inside out, became a totally new person, already a believer. But to me, when I hear the word revival. That's what I think of. Sure. Taking the necessary steps to say, I personally want to have revival. Because then if I can have revival, then I can pray and, ha- and help somebody else discover what that means. It's part and of the with, first great commandment. I agree. Love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we can learn to live like that, how powerful would that be? hundred percent. Knowing that He's with us everywhere. All right, God, I'm getting ready to go into this situation. I don't know what the—but you're here. All right, God, I'm being tempted of this, but God, you're here. Man, that's powerful. That is a great point. Just like I said, a lot of times we're tempted or we're just out of habit. We try to handle it ourselves, even though we know, okay, God wants me to do this, so I'm going to go do this by my... That, do, you know, do you understand the <laughs> discipline that's required? Yes. Like, How many times have you decided to yourself, okay, I'm going to live more like Jesus, and then five minutes later... You get cut off on the highway, and you like, <laughs> yeah. you know, think some not so nice things about that. Like it's Jesus is not in the car any yeah. longer. <laughs> Even though we, I thought of this earlier as, in prepping for this. There is a difference between agreeing with what the Bible says and applying what the 100%. Bible says. Anybody can say that's a great point, and I want to live like that. Yeah. But if you're not actively applying it. So we say all the time in the church, even Satan knows Jesus is God. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the obedience comes in. 100%. Yeah. So I, I, all that to say this, and we've we got to wrap this up here okay. in a minute, but I, and, all, and looking through all the revivals and all the definitions and everything, I compiled seven things that I think are, are the true signs that a revival is authentic. And one is there is a preaching of the true word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yep. So in other words, it's not preaching what the people want to hear. And it's not preaching what I think what I think they need to hear. It's God's word as is in truth, and ultimately at the heart of that word is you need a savior, and Jesus is that savior. That's good. As the heart of everything, you can be preaching about any character in the Bible. We how many times have we said this? On every page of the Bible, there's the face of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's always about Him. The entire book's about Him. It all points to Him. So no matter what the sermon criteria is, at the end of it, 
by the end of it, people need to realize, okay, even though this message was on money, or even though this message was on bondage, or even though this message was whatever, at the end of it, the only way I can have a healthy marriage or be set free or whatever the topic is, is I need Jesus. I need Jesus. It's the heart of everything. Number two, there must be an understanding of that word. Mm-hmm. So in other words, there, there's no confusion from the message. There's no, there's nothing, okay, did he preach this to get me excited? Or, <laughs> or, did, she, or did she share this to, to make me give more money? No, at the end of it is, no, you need Jesus. We Jesus. need a Savior. That's the end. I understand what's being said. Number three, like I said, recognizing the need for repentance. Again, doesn't, mean, doesn't necessarily mean, man, I am going to go to hell if I walk out this door and get hit by a car. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> it's this area of my life I need to repent for. I need to surrender. I need to turn away from this small area of my life or big area, whatever it is. Number four, there, there then needs to be a conversion or surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yes. How many times have we said this? A lot of people accept him as Savior, but he's never become Lord. <laughs> he's never become king. So and true. I think that's what Brother Lawrence was saying. In this moment, in this room, I'm not the biggest man in the room. The biggest man in the room, my king, I'm living as if he's in the room. Wow. Because I'm not my own anymore. He bought me. I'm submitted to him. I'm not a slave. I'm a friend and I'm a son. But he's still king. Even, even the prince has to recognize he's not king. <laughs> We're ambassadors. <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> There's someone stronger and greater than me. And I live as if he's king. So, And then uh, number five unquestionable change in their life. Mm. Unquestionable. Yes. So when other people see them, they go, they're different. They didn't go, they didn't go back on Monday morning and act the way they already did. They, they didn't go out and That's keep good. cussing. They didn't go out and keep doing the sins they were doing habitually. They, there was a true unquestionable change. What's different about you? The old is gone. The new is the here. The old is gone. The new has come. hundred percent. Transformation. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Number six, there's a renewed faith and desire for the things of God. Wow. So in other words, what I used to feast on that wasn't good for me, I've repented of, I'm now choosing to feast on something good. I'm now choosing to turn away from what I was doing and instead fill that void in my life with prayer or with the word or with spending time in God's presence or spending time with the family of God or whatever. I'm choosing to, because we all know this, the more you withdraw from those things, you're going to fill your heart with something else. Right. And that's where freedom comes in. You take the old out, you got to put something back in there. Yeah. 100%. God, God stuff. And then finally, going back to, I think where we're all going, number seven, there's an evangelism from those who have been changed. Mm. I think that's the thing that really hit me. So many people equate revival with come with me to hear this person preach. Yeah. Come with me to hear this group play. Come with me to experience this service. No, revival is let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Wow. It's personal evangelism. You can come and be a part of this service if you want to, or you can come to my church if you want to. But if you never come, I've got to tell you my story. Well, that's why we always say that God just wants us to give our testimonies. We're here to yes. give our testimonies, not to be a judge and a juror. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you go in, you're, you're telling what Going back to Charles to Finney. <laughs> this yeah. is my testimony. This is what my testimony. <laughs> 100%. So wrapping it all up to say this, guys, we're contending for revival. Yes. We're believing for revival, which means it has to start with us. It has to start in our hearts. So final thoughts, Pastor. Where, where are we going in this series? I know we just really started. Man, where we're going is, let's just seek the Lord. Let's, I want to go back to what you said. Let's make Jesus everywhere we're at. Hey, he's riding your car right next to you. Just talk to him. We need to make Jesus more real. That's what I would say. Make Jesus real. Yeah. Cody, what's your takeaway from all this? Yeah, just uh, that, that discipline of, it, I mean, it's tough, but if you can, it, 
you know, I think that the, the, the tough, you know, athletes or the real big mm-hmm. bodybuilders that are super intimidating, but you talk bad about their mama, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you, when you know someone cares for you so much, you're going you're gonna to act differently for them. Yeah. That's right. And uh, that, that's our God. He is so good. And if, I think if people can wrap their minds around it, revival will naturally follow. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's, it's just a continual reminder of, of this has always been God's heart. You know, God, God wants us to have fun. God wants us to enjoy this life He's given us. God wants us to be blessed. The Bible says in Third John two, "I want you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers." We know God doesn't. God doesn't want you poor, broken, hurting, without need, with need, all of that. God wants you to be taken care of. God, He's if if you ask for Him for a stone, if you ask Him for bread, He's not going to give you a stone. We want we know right. God wants to take care of His children, hundred percent. But at the same time. We also know that even though God wants us to be blessed and God wants us to prosper and be in good health, God doesn't want, like David said, Lord, don't let me get to the place where I feel like I don't need you. And don't get me, don't let me get so far away from you that I fall into sin. God has to be number one. He's got to be number one. He's got to be priority. So that's the biggest thing I'm praying right now in my life. In essence, with with what Brother Lawrence said is, God, in every conversation I have, help me to feel you're in the room with me. And I don't need a goosebump feeling you're in the room. I don't need that song to be played to know you're here. I don't need that preacher to preach that message that he preached 20 years ago for me to know that you're in this room. I don't need anything external to come together for me to call this a revival service. I need just me and you, and let me be a little bit more like you when I leave here. And that's revival. It's awesome. That's what I want. Changes everything. 100%. 100%. So real quick, before we get out of here, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us on this. Right now, we're coming up right around the corner, Pastor. We got back to school. What, what, what's it what's going to look like? Oh, man, I encourage you to be here. We're going to be praying for all the students. We're going to be praying for all of our teachers. It's hard to believe school is back here upon us, man. but we're gonna. it's going to be a day of celebration, and we're just going to love our teachers and pray for all of our students. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, and I think the other thing we can plug is uh, starting in September, our Thrive groups are coming back. And I'm really, really excited about that. Not just our Wednesday night Thrive groups, which are great, which if you haven't been to our church on Wednesday nights, you're missing out. We have some awesome classes and our Thrive youth meets on Wednesday. So bring your teenagers. We have Thrive uh, kids and Royal Rangers on, th- on mission on Wednesday nights. But also we're hoping to uh, get back into the homes and get back into a sense of community and eating dinner together and yeah. sharing the word of God together. And we're hoping that um, I know we're in a, I know we're, there's still lingering effects of COVID, but it's seeming like we're at the place now where homes can open back up and people can get back together and, yeah. and just really showing again outside the four walls of the church. Cause I've discovered a lot of people that may not come to a church service, they will come to your house for dinner. Yep. And that's a great open door to just give them a little taste of what God's doing. And so, well, and then back to school Sunday, we have Kona ice and yeah. food. We're at bounce houses. We have a fire truck, police, police car here. There's a lot going on, so we invite you to come and be with us. Absolutely. Guys, I've enjoyed this conversation. This has been really, really great. So what is revival? A personal move of God that takes you over, and you're never the same again. That's good. Amen. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. This has been the Madison Assembly Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.